awkward. Good morning, everyone. Today we are hosting a peer pod podcast. Freeman Means Business often invites guests in the industry who provide amazing services to legal service providers. Uh, and Mark Green, Dr. Mark Green, is our guest today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for being here. Hey, it's great to be with you. Well, Mark is um, a consultant extraordinaire. He knows everything there is to know about AI. He owns his own uh, consultancy called Market Intelligence. He can be found at marketintelligencellc.com. Mark, tell me a little bit about your background and the services you offer. Well, my background is too crazy and bizarre to get into, but um, I've been around the industry for decades. Uh, yeah, I'm that old. And my original services to the industry were in, around market research, which I was doing for what then were called the big eight accounting firms. And then over time, that evolved into more data-based strategy, relying on market intelli market research, competitive intelligence, that sort of thing. I went in-house for about uh, 12, 13 years while I was getting my sons through middle school and high school and all that sort of stuff. And then um, went back out into consulting. And as you mentioned, I've got this passion around artificial intelligence. Can't help but studying it, blogging on it several times a week. Love, love, love it. <clears throat> but uh, firms aren't ready to do a whole lot with that yet. I speak at retreats occasionally, and I've got a couple of clients that have me helping them with AI strategy. But still, most of what I do is helping firms with other strategic questions using competitive intelligence, market intelligence to make decisions around marketing strategy, firm strategy, pricing I'm working on for a couple of firms now. So different sorts of things. Having been a CMO for so long, I've touched it all. So I'd like to think I can do just about anything, but always with data and rigor behind whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, the days of a bunch of old white guys sitting around a table and deciding, I hope, are either past or, or fading fast. Um, and I hope I to be to part say, of that. <laughs> I think that, um, that you have some serious job security there. <laughs> I can tell you. I don't know that those days have gone for sure. Um, but let me ask you a question. What exactly are firms afraid of when it comes to AI? Well, part of it goes back to the, the roots of the industry. It is a precedent-driven industry. People don't like to do anything that hasn't been done before. Um, I'm sure you've hold the, heard the old adage that it's tough to tell a bunch of millionaires that they've got the business model wrong. Um, and <laughs> firms have thrived in the past by just sitting around waiting to see what others do and then maybe being a follower, maybe even a fast follower. These days, that's becoming a riskier and riskier business proposition. But a lot of firm leaders are still in that mindset. Happily, the Magic Circle firms in the UK, some of the bigger US firms have been getting pretty aggressively into AI and even blockchain. Um, but all firms don't get religion that fast. And um, my grandfather was a Methodist circuit preacher, and I like to think I'm following in his footsteps, looking for a stump to stand up on and spread the gospel of artificial intelligence to law firms <laughs> that aren't quite ready to hear it yet. I love that. I love that. There'll be lots of conversions, I'm sure. I'm sure you I hope so. I hope so. Yes, you are. Um, folks, I know him personally. He's very... Uh, charming, he's persuasive, he's influential, um, 
and he's not dry. Like, so yes, he has the PhD behind his name, but he also has, uh, he's easy to relate to. He's got great people skills. Uh, the law is a people business. Um, so let me ask you what compelled you to offer these services or, or get out of the in-house setting? Like, why did you leave that comfortable place when you were putting your kids through school in-house? I've always liked change and stimulation. Uh, when I was a market research consultant to start with, I started doing research with Warner Communications in-house um, programming and audience research that was part of the development of what we called Pinwheel House and which became Nickelodeon. And then um, MTV, I was the person doing a lot of the market research that led to MTV. And then from that to the big eight, that was quite a change. Um, so I'm always looking for something different to do. GE was my biggest client for 15 years. So I'd be working on nuclear systems for a week and then GE Financial and then GE Healthcare putting together customer satisfaction survey programs for them. So change, change, change. And being a consultant means I'm dealing with a couple of law firms at a time, changing from one challenge to another challenge. And that's way more stimulating and interesting to me than a firm. And when I was in-house, I would typically stay for about three years to get a marketing department restructured, running right, I hope, um, and then move on to another firm for a fresh challenge. Um, so. Consulting now that. is just great because I'm doing new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say, um, you jokingly said you were old in the beginning of the podcast, but I'll tell you, you're not, and you're brilliant. And the fact that you're so <laughs> nimble, you're nimble and flexible, and you adapt quickly and easily. And I know that you absorb information like a sponge. So the fact that you're so nimble, the audience needs to know that you know you're like the 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 um chameleon you can change <laughs> well, my, my son say I keep reinventing myself I, I, said I wasn't going to go too far back but undergraduate I started off in electrical engineering and then for my master's I studied classical rhetoric focusing on Aristotle's definitions of rhetoric and poetic and then got my doctorate in market research so reinventing wow. changing new stuff I just love it, love it, love it. I love that. I love that. So you're probably pretty good uh, with understanding the arguments and the opening and closing cases that lawyers do if you studied rhetoric. Um, that's that's one of my. Well, and I was an, also on the debate team back in high school. I love, love, love that. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> no shocker there. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> that that I could totally see. So um, yeah. how do lawyers right now benefit, or maybe it's not even lawyers, who, who's the person who can benefit most from what you do today? Well, um, there's one firm now that I'm working with the marketing committee and the, the marketing partner, another firm where I'm on retainer that I just meet uh, every quarter or so with the executive committee to provide an outside perspective on what's going on with the industry, what's going on with their clients and what they should do. And that's where I think I can bring the greatest value is um, helping just bring the winds of change, at least to a marketing committee, but preferably to an executive committee. And that outside looking in voice has so much more credibility. I felt like every time I became a CMO, my IQ dropped about 20 points because I'm saying the same things that I was as a consultant, but it carries so much weight when you're coming in from the outside that it doesn't on the inside. It makes no sense, but that's almost always the way it is. So 
if a firm doesn't yet have a voice of the client program, oh my God, those firms are still out there. Uh, I can with some <laughs> credibility go to the executive committee and say, come on guys, get with guys, bring a couple of women in here so I can't say guys, and let's get a voice of the client program going. Um, Mark, <laughs> Mark, you're but, singing my song. <laughs> oh, it's crucial. You're <laughs> How can you run a business without knowing exactly what your clients want day to day? But law firms have been so flush with cash for so many decades that it is taking a long time to convince them that you're more than just a profession. You are a business. And if yes. you don't start acting like it, the big four, the alternative legal service providers, the law firms that do get it, the in-house legal departments, they're going to put you out of existence. That's just all there is to it. So I'll be careful about what I say, but I will say that um, some live in a bubble. Let's just put it that way. Um, oh, yeah. and, and it's a rich bubble. So, you know, they're like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, go away. You bother me, kid. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, name, name a few things that um, potential clients might misunderstand about what you do and then set the record straight. Okay. Well, because I pretty much just did market research to the legal industry. I was really the first person to do market research for law firms long ago and far away. Um, I still am thought of by some firms as the market research guy. Um, and yeah, I, I do that. Um, right now I'm the president of the College of Law Practice Management and I just engaged some market research for the college. So yeah, I can do that. Um, but that's one of the tools that I can bring to the fore. And now because I blog so relentlessly and I'm so, so lucky to have a whole lot of followers of my AI blog, there are other people that think, oh, he's the AI guy. Um, I've spoken I think of you that meetings. way. Yeah, yeah. And cool, but I'm not just the AI guy. That's something that I do very little besides speaking at retreats and stuff like that. Um, uh, that brings revenue in the door. I haven't really figured out how to monetize that yet. Maybe it'll be more monetizable in about 10 years when everybody's seriously doing it and it's no longer so cutting edge. Um, but the things that I do um, that I think bring the most value to firms now and help me stay in business as a consultant are strategy, marketing strategy, firm strategy, practice group strategy, industry group initiatives, that sort of thing. But again, always based on data, on competitive intelligence, on market research. Um, but I'm not just a market research consultant. In fact, lately I've been doing more in competitive intelligence than I have market research. That's so, a bit of a misconception some people have. I was like just going to say that. I was just going to say there's a misconception about or misperception about the difference and what those terms mean. And so why don't you make sure to clarify for the audience the difference between market research and competitive intelligence. Oh, great. Um, it's funny. I just got done teaching the two-day LMA uh, competitive intelligence certificate program in New York with my friends Lenny Fold and Ben Galad and Marcy Schrunk this year for the first time. And um, that's one of the things that we talk about up front is what is competitive intelligence, market research, artificial intelligence, um, all those terms. So everybody has a different definition and my colleagues and I all disagreed at least a little bit about the terms, but here's what I mean by that sort of stuff. Um, competitive intelligence to me is any sort of data-based 
knowledge that can help you compete more effectively. It's not necessarily information about competitors. It's anything that helps you compete more effectively. So that can include market research. I consider market research one of the many tools that CI people use. Now, CI traditionally is much more seen as qualitative research, where you do a bunch of interviews, you go to trade shows, uh, you monitor various news feeds and that sort of stuff to see what's going on um, without doing original primary research, which is what market research is all about, collecting data that didn't exist before. It can be quantitative, like you do with telephone surveys, mail surveys, web surveys, that sort of stuff. It can be qualitative. I've conducted many dozens of focus groups with general counsel around the world uh, to help law firms inform their brand strategies and that sort of thing. But it's primary research. It's gathering data that didn't exist until you gathered it. That's market research, qualitative or quantitative. Competitive intelligence includes that and other stuff. And so I named my company Market Intelligence. Um, this was, uh, goes back 20 years before I went in-house. We came up with that name because it's how to enter a market, play in a market based on intelligence data, um, not just winging it by the seat of your pants. So I love that. Name, I love that. The name of the company. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so um, market intelligence was just a general rubric under which to include market research and competitive intelligence, both of which I do for firms. And, and it's fine for me to come in and once do a big client survey or a brand survey or something like that. But the other thing that I'm always trying to do is not just, as you the metaphor, not just fish for you, but teach you how to fish. So by the time I've done one round of really good client survey research, I hope that a firm is then ready to carry on on their own, uh, probably engaging a third party to do the data collection, but not to put the program together and develop the samples and do the analysis and all that sort of thing. Um, gotcha. Teach them how to fish. I wanted to say that you're, um, when I first connected with you, um, well, I've been connected with you peripherally for years, but when I first connected with you um, over Market Intelligence LLC, the first thing I saw was your name in the title of your company. <laughs> I was like, Mark is intelligent, market intelligent. Oh. That's great. <laughs> the PhD, right? Not, in, not intentional, but it's really funny. Um, Gosh, long ago when Sue Stock Allison and I were just getting started doing this sort of thing before Berkey Belcher and even I even started a business together, I had a secretary who would answer the phone, market intelligence, and somebody thought she was saying Mark's intelligent, and they thought that was a little arrogant. I said, oh my God, no, 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 no. Hey, own it. I love it. Mark is intelligent. <laughs> own it, you know? Um we, we have friends who own it quite well, and I think that's great. You know, that's great. So let me ask you something. Um, I know that your strategic plans are a little different than most marketing strategic plans yeah. or firm strategic plans. Yep. Tell me a little bit about why. Oh, gosh. Um, I hate to well, you disparage don't have to, anybody else. You don't let have me to say disparage that historically, anyone else. Speak to yours how okay, dynamic they might be. Um, well, I have to say something about what they're not, and that is, a, a large document full of platitudes that everybody in the firm can agree on. If it's that vanilla, it's not a differential strategy. And if you can't differentiate yourself in the marketplace and do different things towards different purposes, 
you're not going to succeed. It's already the case that law firms all look alike to so many of their clients uh, beyond the relationships that they have with specific lawyers, which, again, as you said, it's a relationship business. Um, so they're very much about, okay, who are you? How are you perceived now? What's your culture? What are your clients looking for in a provider of legal services? And putting all that together, what can we live with culturally as a firm? What is our business model? You can't take a firm like Cravath and say that tomorrow they're suddenly going to start acting and behaving like mm, Holland and Knight. It's just not going to happen. They're different business models. So what's your business? What's your image in the marketplace? How do clients perceive you now? Repositioning is almost impossible in the legal industry with the amount of budget that people have for marketing. We can tweak it a bit. We can adapt it a little bit, but we can't completely reposition a firm from the way they're already perceived in the marketplace. And, and these firms are already typically thriving anyway, so you don't need to completely reposition them. But it's data-driven so that by the end of the presentation that I make to the partnership, it's really hard to say, no, that's wrong, because I've done so many interviews within the firm. I've done so many interviews with clients, um, looked at marketplace dynamics. So it's a very data-driven, differentiating strategy. And if you need the platitudes of We've got great lawyers from great schools who really care about their clients, and our mission is to <laughs> contribute to our community and enhance diversity and do more pro bono work. Okay, great. Put all that in there. If you're really committed to that, yes, absolutely. But that's not a differentiating strategy. What's going to make right. the business difference is who are we and how can we differentiate ourselves? Right. Oh, you are so preaching my, you know, sermons, my song. <laughs> great minds. Great minds. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, what if I am a lawyer in that firm that says, hey, this AI stuff works for the rest or maybe the coastal firms, but why should I um, take it on and take any risks? I'll give you a great example. Um, and I, that is exactly what I heard from a firm in the middle of the country-ish. Um, about some other stuff and peripherally about AI that, well, once the coastal firms have done it and it seems to really have been working for them for a while, then maybe we'll do it. But our clients are not cutting edge. They're, they're safe and secure with us here in our neck of the woods. And then there were a couple of big firms that have now opened offices in the hinterlands, firms like Greenberg Traurig, um, and I, there's a bunch of them now that have offices in smaller cities. Right. And when those big national firms decide they're going to do something like AI, they might do a little bit of a skunk works pilot program in a coastal city or two, but then they implement it nationwide. And all it takes is for that firm to go to your client in any town USA and say, sure, you know our reputation, we've got a brand name, you know our quality, and we will do that matter for you. We will handle that litigation for 70% what your local firm charges. Yes. And wow, we get to work with this big national firm for that much less? Oh, wow. sure, we'll try that. And then the local firm in any town USA, they see that over the last year or two, their client has just faded away as matters have ended. They don't know what hit them. And by then, it's too late to get that relationship back because the local attorneys in the local office of big coastal firm Jones, Jones, and Jones um, have taken the client away. <laughs> They're doing the work better, faster, and cheaper using tools like AI. It's a game changer. And it, you can't wait for the coastal things to happen anymore 
because those big coastal firms have infiltrated the rest of the country. Exactly, exactly. So again, I think in the bubble, people who have, you know, come out of law school, worked for a firm all their career, they're in that bubble, they don't see these dynamic changes taking place in the broader landscape. And you come in and open their eyes and give them a screenshot of what's happening outside their bubble. And it's like jaw dropping. That's, that's, well, I, tr I try. Um, yeah. But the other thing that's happening now, the days of somebody coming out of law school and doing the Davis Polk thing of their whole career at one firm, those are pretty rare. But even when you have these partners moving from firm to firm with their supposed portable book of business, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> they're moving from one echo chamber to another until yeah. they go to an in-house position um, or go work for an alternative legal service provider or something like that. They don't really have that wake up call. They just got a salary boost to go from big law to big law, and that's not much of a wake-up call. Right. The firm that I moved to Nashville to work with, they have a very good program where they lose, quote, lawyers to their biggest clients, and then three or four years later, they bring them back and back and forth, and it's a great way to wow. get exposure um, to what's going on with the client. Secondment's another way to do it, but- yeah. People moving back and forth between clients and law firms is also a great way to wake people up to what in-house counsel are looking for. So that topic right there is worthy of some serious discussion. Um, I'm going to, yeah. you know, look that. That's amazing. So I, I do propose uh, secondments, either you know, you know, creative plans for secondment. But I think that that. Just like when you were on debate team, you need to know what the other side is all about, and you need to have, <laughs> you know, not to competitive make intelligence. To <laughs> yeah, but you know, general counsel keep asking for things, and it, and and defense lawyers don't give them those things, or or you know, firms don't give them those things, and they're like, why are they asking me for this? And I just really think it is that bubble or or the echo chamber, like you said. Um, so what actionable advice or tips can you give lawyers? Don't forget that it is still very much a relationship business. They know that. Some people that are saying it's a completely new industry, that hasn't changed. You've got to hang on to that. You've got to nurture those relationships or else everything just becomes reduced to commodity. And that's certainly no fun and not a very good business model. Um, so. But as part of your relationship, you won't get completely candid information ever from a client. And that's one of the many reasons you need a voice of the client program, an objective third party interviewing program to stay in touch with the clients, both client by client for tactical reasons and to get that overall perception of your firm to drive firm strategy. So a voice of the client program is absolutely essential. I agree. Um, have a listening program of some sort for what's going on in the industry uh, from the client side, what's going on. If you're a healthcare firm, if you're a automotive firm, whatever, you've got to have listening set up so that you're not just practicing law. You're practicing law with an understanding of the client's industry. They can find good lawyers lined up around the block begging for their business, but to find one that really understands their issues, their industry, their company, that's what makes the difference. So having a competitive intelligence function, and that can be a person or two in your library and your marketing department, that can be a huge differentiating factor for you.
So yeah. stay attuned to the marketplace, use data, don't just rely on hunches, know that it's still a relationship business, but be strategic. Don't just keep doing what you've been doing because it's worked for the last 40 years. I love that you said that statement. Um, it is a, it's a sea change. So um, yeah. let, us, let, let us know how we can contact you if people want to connect with you. And I want you to mention your blog and how we can subscribe to your blog. Um, God, today I put out the biggest post ever trying to catch up from the Thanksgiving holiday. You know, it seems that some of the rest of the world didn't take all those days off when we did. So today's is a huge post. www. World Wide Web, that interweb thing, marketintelligencellc.com. Marketintelligencellc.com is the blog. Go there, check it out. You can subscribe from there. Every time I do a post, I also tweet uh, a link back to the blog post. So just follow me on Twitter. You'll see it there. That's most of what I tweet about, but I do tweet about other stuff every now and then. What's your handle um, my on email Twitter? Uh, Mark P. Green, I think. I, I never use it. Uh, Let me check. Let me open an email. Yes. At okay. Mark yeah, it's in my email. <laughs> at Mark T. Green. You can find Dr. Green or Mark at Mark T. Green on Twitter. And Thank then you. are you in LinkedIn? And then email me. I am on LinkedIn. Awesome. Something like that. And what's like your that. email address? Mark, M-A-R-K, at marketintelligencellc.com. Mark, you're a wonderful, wonderful person. Brilliant, bright, funny, fun, delightful, charming, just all around great guy. Wow. You keep God, it love real. You. <laughs> Look, people know that I'm open, honest, and direct. <laughs> love it. Love um, it. Yes. So thank you so much for your time and your brilliance and sharing some of both today with us. And I will uh, be sure to put out the blog within the next 24 to 48 hours. And in that blog will be this podcast. Thanks so much. It was a real pleasure. Have a great day, everybody.